Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 3. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 3. We are continuing with our series as we've restarted again in the second part of the life and ministry of David. Beforehand, we've already covered all the time from King Saul's period of life and seeing what God had promised David and how David for about 20 years had not received the promise of God that he would become king. And finally, David has become king. And now things begin to change as the things that is going to happen in David's life is going to spring forth consequences and not just for him, but also for others around him. Last Sunday, the last time we were in this message, we carried the idea of Abner and we did a character study on part of Abner's life from 2 Samuel chapter number 2 as Abner had decided that being Saul's general, his captain, that when Saul died, he chose not to join with David, but he chose a different path. And now we continue with the life of Abner in 2 Samuel chapter number 3. 2 Samuel chapter number 3, and if you don't mind to look with me in 2 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to begin at verse number 1. 2 Samuel chapter number 3 and verse number 1, the word of God says this, now there was Long, now there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. And unto David were sons born in Hebron, and his firstborn was Ammon of Anohem the Jezreelite. And the second was Kekalib of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite, and the third, Absalom, the son of Maacah, the daughter of Talamari, king of Geshur, and the fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, and the fifth, uh, <coughs> Shephatah, the son of Abitel, and the sixth, Irethium, by Egla, David's wife. These were born to David, in Hebron. And it came to pass while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rispha, the daughter of Aiah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Wherefore hast thou gone in to my father's concubine? Then was Abner very wroth for the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head? which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul thy father and to his brethren and to his friends and have not delivered thee into the hand of David that thou chargest me today with a fault concerning this woman? So do God to Abner and more also except as the Lord has sworn to David, even so 
I do to him. To translate the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah. From Dan even to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner a word again because he feared him. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf saying, Whose is the land? Saying also, Make league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with thee to bring about all Israel unto thee. And he said, Well, I will make a league with thee, but one thing I require of thee is that thou shalt not see my face except thou first bring Micaiah, <coughs> Saul's daughter, when thou comest to see my face. And David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Deliver me my wife Micaiah, <coughs> which I have espoused to me for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and sent her from her husband, even from Phaltela, the son of Laish. And her husband went with her along, weeping behind her to Beharum. Then said Abner unto him, Go, return. And he returned. And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel, saying, Ye sought for David in times past to be king over you. Now then do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. And Abner also spoke in the ears of Benjamin. And Abner went to speak into the ears of David in Hebron, all, see, all that seemed good to Israel and that seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner came to David to Hebron, with, and twenty men with him, and Abner made sorry, and David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel unto my lord the king, that they may make league with thee, and that thou mayest reign over them, <coughs> over all that thy heart desireth. And David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from pursuing a troop and bought, brought in a great spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away and had gone in peace. When Joab and all the hosts that were with him were come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he has sent him away, and he has gone in peace." Then Joab came to the king and said, What hast thou done? Behold, Abner came unto thee. Why is it that thou hast sent him away, and that he is quite gone? Thou knowest, Abner the son of Ner, that he came to deceive thee, and to know that thy going out and thy coming in, and to know all that thou doest? And when Joab was come out from David, he sent messengers from Abner, which brought him again from the well of Sirah. But David knew it not. And when Abner would return to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Ashiel, his brother. And afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. 
Let it rest on the head of Joab and on all his father's house. And let there not fail from the house of Joab one that hath an issue, or that is a leper, or that leaneth on the staff, or that falleth on the sword, or lacketh bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, slew Abner, because he had slain their brother Ashiel at Gibeon in the battle. And David said to Joab and to all the people that were with him, Rend your clothes and gird you with sackcloth and mourn before Abner. And David and King David followed himself to the byre. And they buried Abner in Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner as a fool dieth? Thy, kings, thy hands were not bound, nor thy feet put into fetters. As a man falleth before wicked men, so fellest thou. And all the people wept again over him. And when all the people came to cause David to eat meat while it was yet day, David swore, saying, So do God to me, and more also if I taste bread, or aught else till the sun be down. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them, as whatsoever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people and all Israel understood that day that it was not of the king to slay Abner, the son of Ner. And the king said unto his servants, Know ye not that there is a great prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel? And I am this day weak, though anointed king, and these men, the sons of Zariah, be too hard for me. The Lord shall reward the doer of evil according to his wickedness. And as we overview Second Samuel chapter 3, we continue with the idea of Abner, <coughs> captain of Saul's host. And we're going to look at it at part 2. So Abner captain of Saul's host. And we're going to look at this as part number two. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you again for your precious Bible that we could see the history of your people. And then through this, we could already see that there's consequences for its actions. Lord, we know that your Bible says that be not deceived for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We can already see the sowing here and that it will be reaped later on. Help us to understand that there's consequences of the action and be afraid of sin and recognizes that it will cost us a lot more than we ever wanted to pay. I'm asking, Lord, that you would just help us with an understanding of this and that you would help us now. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we come into here, we now see the second part of Abner. Now beforehand, Abner had decided that he was not going to choose David. He chose his own way. And now things are falling apart from him. And because of this, we can spiritualize this a little bit. We're going to look at the history. But there are many people who have decided not to follow Jesus. There are many people that have not made Jesus Christ their king. And after a point, there's going to be a time where things start falling apart. There's going to be a time where they're going to be disillusioned. And we see that in the life of Abner. If you don't mind, the very first thing I'd like to show you is why Abner sought David. Why Abner sought David. The very first reason of why we see Abner sought David is because of this. He became disenchanted with the results 
of the life he was living. He became disenchanted with the results of the life that he was living. So the civil war went on in verse number one and explained that the house of David waxed stronger and stronger while the house of Saul got weaker and weaker. It goes on to explain that while David was in Hebron, he was multiplying in children. And we have the idea that David began to have children and these children are going to be very important. We're going to see them mentioned through scripture. His firstborn child would be Ammon. By the way, if... um, Ammon had not messed up and not did what he did. He would have inherited the kingdom. He was next in line for David's throne. But unfortunately, he he sinned and there was consequences for that sin. And he is marked off. Next, we come to uh, Killalib. Now, Killalib, as far as we can understand, he probably passed away before David died. And so he died. There's not much said about him. So he would be second in, uh, in the lineage, but he passed away. Then, of course, we have Absalom. Absalom didn't want to wait for David to die. He grew bitter and disillusioned, and he tried to take the kingdom by force. And Joab, 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 we'll learn a lot about Joab. He killed Absalom against David's orders. I almost want to just put a Joab total somewhere and every kill that he has just to mark it down, just to see how many times he's killed somebody. It's pretty amazing. Then after that, we have Adonijah. Adonijah stays pretty quiet until David's about ready to die and he decides that he's going to try to sweep in before Solomon and take over the kingdom. And of course, he gets Joab to do his dirty work. Joab's still again. And that doesn't work off. And then we have two other sons that, that don't make the cut, <laughs> meaning of the kingly lineage. But we can see that these are the sons. These seven sons were born in those seven years of living in Hebron. And uh, it is what it is. That is history. And that's what's going on. But these people are going to show up before. It's nice to know who is who when you start reading through the Bible. Well, as we go back to Abner, Abner can see that David is getting blessed. That David is is growing stronger and stronger. That his forces, his kingdom is solidifying while the house of Saul is falling apart. Now, during this time, Abner came to the conclusion that he could not win. He started to do the calculations, counting the cost. And all his efforts to keep David from the throne was failing. Can you imagine that? You've thrown in all your forces. You've thrown in all your energy and everything that you do to, to do your own thing is just falling apart. For some people, it's they're working hard to get money. And every time they get money, it's like blown away. They work harder and harder to put their money into pockets full of holes. Have you ever felt like that before? Well, this is one way that you're working harder and harder And it's counting for nothing. Everything you're working for just seems to be falling apart. Everything's going by. One day Abner looked and soberly assessed his life. What's going on? How is it going to end? He started to wake up. You know, it's a great milestone when someone looks at their life and realizes it's unprofitable to fight against God's choice in your life. It's unprofitable for you to go against the claims that God has, the things that God's going to say, and to go against them. 
And so the very first thing that we see is that he became disenchanted with the results of his life. As we continue on, notice if you don't mind, (laughs) we come to a second reason why Abner decided to seek after David. Not only was he disenchanted with his life, but he also became disgusted at the rottenness of the king he was crowning. He became disgusted at the rottenness of the king that he was crowning. Now remember, he took Saul's son, Ishbosheth, and he made him king. The only reason why Ishbosheth was king because of Abner. Abner had dedicated his life, and for the last six, seven years, he's done everything to make Ishbosheth strong. So much that Ishbosheth has kind of learned to be lazy. We'll see in the next chapter that he's laying in bed till noon. He just letting Abner take care of everything. Well, this guy with too much time in his hands decides that he's going to accuse Abner. Notice with me in verse number seven. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rispa and the daughter of Aiah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Wherefore hast thou gone into my father's concubine? So Abner had given his best life, best years of his life to Saul. And now he's continuing to serve Saul by serving his son. And in the midst of fighting this and fighting against David and doing all this, Ishbosheth, who's become a lazy bum, letting Abner take care of everything, says, Abner, why'd you do this to me? And Abner looks at him and says, what are you talking about? He, he, he got falsely accused of this. And all the things that he gets from all the years of his life, a false accusation. Notice this as he gets upset. Verse number eight, eight. Then was Abner very wroth for the words of Ishbosheth. It said, am I a dog's head which against Judah to show the kindness this day unto the house of Saul thy father and to his brethren and to his friends and had not delivered thee into the hand of David and thou chargest me to this day with a fault concerning this woman? He was mad. And... <laughs> One thing that someone who's serving Satan will realize is that Satan doesn't love you. Satan hates you. Someone who decides they're going to serve sin, who's going to serve other gods other than the true and living God, is going to find out their master is a rotten master who hates them and hates them very much. Abner had been trying to make Ishbosheth. The reason why Ishbosheth is on the throne is because of Abner. Abner could have very easily just said, here, David, take him. But he didn't. And the thanks that he got from his rotten master was an accusation. All that work and no thanks. What a horrible master he was serving. So with that, he was like, my master hates me. He doesn't love me. I worked so hard to get his approval. And it doesn't work. I'm going to go to the master that loves me. I'm going to go to the king that accepts me. There's a third reason why Abner sought David. Not only was he disillusioned with the life he had, not only was he disgusted with the rotten king, but he also was disarmed by the royalty of the one he was opposing. He was disarmed by the royalty of the one he was opposing. Notice with me in verse number 9. So do God to Abner, and more also, except the Lord had sworn to David, even as I do to him. What Abner did is he said, you know what? 
God made the promises to David and I need to stop fighting against this. I'm going to join God's side and I'm going to support God's king. I'm going to do that. And so <coughs> Abner couldn't answer her and Ishbosheth couldn't answer Abner a word again because he feared him. Abner's like <coughs> is upset, he's mad. Ishbosheth realized he pushed the wrong button and he's afraid of what Abner's going to do. So he finally kept his mouth shut. But as for um <coughs> As for Abner, notice in verse 10, he says, What I'm going to do to David is I'm going to translate the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. Now, whenever you see that phrase, from Dan to Beersheba, it carries the idea that Dan is the northernmost border of Israel and Beersheba is the southernmost border. And he says, from the north to the south, from the very tippy top to the very bottom, everyone's going to know that David is the one who's supposed to be on the throne. I'm going to go make sure of that. I'm joining David's side. Forget you. I'm done with you. And Ishbosheth said, please don't kill me. Didn't say anything. He was scared. So what happened is that Abner joined David's side. He realized that David had always been kind. He remembered all those times that David had forgiven Saul and let him go. And he says, you know what? Do I take the king that's forgiving or do I take the master that hates me? I'd rather have the king that's forgiving. Aren't you glad that Jesus is a very forgiving king? Who loves us so very much. So why did Abner seek David? Well he had several reasons. But then we see what Abner brought David. So not only what did Abner sought for David. We also see what Abner brought David. So Abner sends messengers to go see what he could do to restore fellowship. The very first thing that he brought David is that he restored previous relationships to David. He restored previous relationships to David. So he says, David, what can I do to get fellowship right? What can I do? And David says, well... I have a wife that I had to run away from. You remember in 1 Samuel that Saul hated David and Saul was planning on killing David and Saul's wife heard about it. And so remember they did the old stuff the bed trick where they put straw and pillows under the covers and, and then when Saul's men came in and said, we need to get David. And she goes, I can't, he's sick in bed. So they went back and said, King Saul, sorry, David's sick. And Saul said, take the whole bed down if you have to. So they go in there and take the bed and, hey, it's nothing but straw. And Saul was really mad. Well, part of the consequences for that is that Saul had his daughter, who was married to David, go marry someone else. Well, David said, listen here, I was married to her first. I'm still alive. You bring her back to me and we'll take care of it. So he sent messengers to Ishbosheth and said, hey, I want my wife back. Well, she's currently married to someone else. And so as they begin to bring her back to be restored to David, the guy's following behind crying the whole time. Why? Why? And just making a big scene, just crying the whole way. When <coughs> Abner sees him as they get to a certain town, uh, Abner's getting ready to go see David, but he has to wait till the uh, Mikhail gets there. He sees this guy crying behind him. Get away from here. Go home. We don't need you crying around here. Go. Okay. And he goes crying back home. Now, Ishbosheth, or sorry, Ishbosheth has brought Micaiah to David just like he asked. Now, Abner is going to restore unto David that previous relationships. David, 
These are people, they're back to you again. That's what Abner did as he restored those previous relationships. Something else he did is he brought others to David. He brought others to David. Notice with me in verse number 17. And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel saying, Ye sought for David in times past to be king over you. Now then do it. For the king, Lord had spoken of David saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hands of all their enemies. So Abner comes to all of Israel and says, Hey, you wanted to make David king before. Remember that? Do it now. God made promises. Let's go ahead and do that. Now was the time to go see your king. And so what he did is he brought others to David. He brought others to the king. So we could see that Abner, he got disillusioned with his past life. He got tired of fighting against the king. So he decided he was going to join the king. And in order to join the king, he restored others back into fellowship with the king. He brought brand new people to the king. But there was something else, and more importantly... He brought himself to David. He brought himself to David. Notice with me in verse number 20. So Abner came to David of Hebron and 20 men with him. And David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel unto the Lord the king. And they make league with thee and thou mayest reign over them. All that thy heart desireth. And, Ab and David sent Abner away and he went with him peace. So Abner brought himself to David. And he said, whatever you want, king, you're the king. You tell me what to do. By the way, the most important thing we could ever bring to the Lord Jesus Christ is ourself. God, what would you have me to do? You are the boss. And he surrendered to him. And so now we can see that Abner, who at once had gone against God's promises and God's plan... Now has been restored. He said, my old master hates me. I'm going to go to the new king. I'm going to go to the king that God promised. And then he brought others and he brought himself to the king and said, what do you want me to do? Well, we understand that all, <laughs> with all history, the spiritual relationship can only be taken so far. Now we go back to the history and see what happened. That Abner... He's finally right with the Lord, but there happens to be someone who's not currently right. And he's going to pay some consequences that because of what happens now is going to pay consequences in the future a lot further than anyone ever expected. The third thing I'd like to show you here is how Abner was lamented by David. How Abner was lamented by David. The first thing I want to show you here is Joab's jealous revenge. Joab's jealous revenge. Here we are introduced to Joab. Now he was mentioned before, but now we start seeing his character shining. We start to see who he truly is. Now Joab had been off with some of David's mighty men, and they were off uh, chasing off some Philistines or defending a border. Notice it with me in verse number 22. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from pursuing a troop and brought in a great spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he, David, had sent him, Abner, away, and he was gone in peace. 
And Joab and all the hosts that were with him were come. And they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he sent him away, and he has gone in peace. So what happens? Joab comes back. You can just imagine him with bags of loot and coming back in and some of the guys and say, oh, man, that was great. Oh, we showed them who was boss. Ha <laughs> ha. Puts the money down. And someone says, hey, did you hear the news? What news? Abner was here. What? What do you mean Abner was here? Yeah, he talked with David. And David just let him go. He did what? And he gets so mad, he goes up to the king. Now, could you imagine... Someone going up to the king. Imagine someone going to the president. Just going up, just so mad. And notice what Joab does in verse number 24. Then Joab came to the king and says, what has thou done? He goes in there and starts yelling at David. What are you thinking? Don't you know Abner came in just to spy you out? He wanted to see how many troops you had. He wanted to, he was just deceiving you. What are you, out of your mind? Can you imagine what that would be? Now, we got to remember, who's king? Joab is not king. He's yelling at his authority and he is upset. He is mad. He is just bitterly mad. Can you imagine the blow up that was that people hearing him shouting across the hall, through the, through the uh, house that they were in, just yelling at David, telling him what for. He's just steaming and mad about this going on. So finally, it doesn't record anything that David said. So David probably understood that Joab's pretty mad and I'm just going to just let it go in peace and just let him vent for a second. Well, Abner has other plans. He's now taking matters in his own hands. He doesn't care what David says, and he doesn't care what David thinks. So he sends a messenger to Abner. And he says, hey, king wants to talk to you again. Well, Abner just got right with the king. Okay, so he goes back, and Joab meets him and says, Abner, we need to have talk. Let's talk privately. We don't need anyone to see us. And he takes him to a back alley. You always know that's bad when Joab takes you to a back alley. And so Joab, as he turned around, <laughs> takes Abner and says, let me show you something. And jams a knife right through the fifth rib and kills him. What a horrible thing. Notice as it goes on in verse number 27. And when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him under the fifth rib and he, that he died for the blood of Ashiel, his brother. Now, <clears throat> interesting enough, Hebron is an Old Testament city of refuge. If you don't remember what a city of refuge is, it was something that God set up to be a place that if someone accidentally murdered another person or accidentally killed a person, let's say that... Uh, Max is fixing my vehicle, and I accidentally kick the jack over, and the car falls on him. All right, and he dies. Well, it was an accident. I didn't do it on purpose. But his brother gets really mad at me, and he comes back over, and he's going to kill me. Well, in order to be protected, I could go to a city of refuge, and inside of the city refuge, it's a no-kill zone. It's a place where someone who wants to have revenge on me for accidentally killing uh, a family member, they could not touch me in a city of refuge. Well, here's Job who's yelled at his master. 
or Joab, who has defied his master's wishes, who has murdered someone, and he has murdered someone in a place that God set aside for them not to have this type of killing inside of this city. Imagine that. He doesn't care what anyone says. Joab's going to do what Joab wants to do. It's almost like a reversal. Abner got right with God and got right with the king that God set up. And Joab says, hey, I've been serving the king, but he's not right with the king. And he starts to go to business for himself. And this is the Bible's introduction of Joab, who is not going to change his character for the rest of his life. And every time you see Joab, there's almost murder coming right behind him. He loved to kill. And he racks up a nice tally of what the Bible says to him. This person here, this person here, this person here. And Joab is going to be someone to follow. By the way, this incident here is going to have great consequences for him killing Abner. Notice, if you don't mind, as we're looking at how David lamented him, that we start off with Joab's jealous revenge, but we also see that David didn't endorse this murder. David didn't endorse this murder. This, this didn't come from David. Notice with me in verse 28. And afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. He didn't know this was going to happen. He's shocked about this. Let it rest upon the head of Joab and upon all his father's house. Notice this. And let there not fall from the house of Joab one that hath an issue, or that is a leper, or that leaneth on the staff, or falleth on the sword, or lacketh bread. You know what David's saying? He said, hey, God's going to take care of this. I can't take care of it. God takes care of this. But get, you watch that every person in Joab's family is going to be miserable. Whether they're stuck with an infirmity and have to walk to a cane, or they're killed by a sword, or sickness, or a leper, or this or that. You just watch. You watch the house of Joab. God's going to take care of that. I can't do anything about it now. We'll cover that in just a second. You said David's the king. Yeah, but he's a new king. And, but God, he said God's going to have to take care of this. And you watch this. God is not pleased with what Joab had done. And notice in verse 30, as David's continuing, so Joab and Abishai, his brother, slew Abner. Now, before we didn't see anything about Abishai, the reason why is because Abishai was kind of like on lookout duty, right? When you have your little brother, look out, make sure mom and dad's not looking, <coughs> that type of thing. Abishai was part of it. He didn't physically kill Abner, but he was participating. He was looking out and ready to go help Joab in case he needed it. So Abishai was just as guilty, even though he didn't do the killing blow. In verse 31, And David said to Joab, to all the people that were with him, Rend your clothes and put you on sackcloth and mourn before Abner. David goes back and says, Joab, you're going to the funeral. And you better be sorry about this. We are not going to have this. He, he didn't let Joab get away with this. He said, you're all going to the funeral. So he marched them all to the funeral and said, hey, guys, this is who you killed. Could you imagine them showing up to the funeral? He wanted everyone to know, hey, look, I'm not putting up for this. You need to see what you did. 
And verse 33, and the king lamented over Abner and said, died Abner as a fool dieth? His hands weren't bound, nor thy feet put in fetters. As a man falleth before wicked man, so fellest thou. David is saying, hey, this was even a cowardly way to kill him. He wasn't a prisoner. He wasn't a prisoner of war. This wasn't a wartime situation. He killed him like a thug. He killed him like a big bully, a coward. He said, even the way he killed him was dastardly and horrible. So they go back and the people said, all right, the funeral's over. David, are you going to eat? And he says, no, I'm not going to eat. This is horrible. This is, how can I eat when there's a tragedy like this going on? And the rest of the people said, you know what? We're convinced that David didn't do this. This is all Joab. Which brings us to why in the world did, um, didn't David do anything about it? Isn't he the king? Notice with me in verse number uh, uh, 38. And the king said to his servants, Know ye not that there is a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel? And I am this day weak. Though anointed king, and these men, the sons of Zorah, be too hard for me. The Lord reward the doer of evil according to his wickedness. David said, hey, <laughs> without Joab and the mighty men behind me right now, my, my kingdom is fragile. I meant, <laughs> he, he's, in, he's not quite the general yet, but he's going to get the, promoted to general soon. But he's very much one of the leaders. He's been following David ever since the cave of Adullam. Uh, about 10, 12 years ago, he's been with him. He's one of the people that's uh, doing border patrols. If he gets rid of uh, Joab right now, he's going to be very weak structurally and administrative wise. And he says, I wish I could get rid of him. If I, if I could get rid of him, I could fire him right now, I would. But I'm stuck. So you know what I have to do? I have to trust that God will take care of him. That God will take care of him. And so even through this, we could see David's attitude. You know there's some people that you can't deal with. You may work with them. You may live with them. They may be your neighbors. But can you trust God to deal with them? Can you trust God to work? That's what we see here. Now there's going to be consequences that steam up from here. But the emphasis I want to put is on Abner. Here's a man that one time was against God and against God's plan. But he came to himself and realized, this isn't getting me ahead. This isn't working out. And if I continue this way, it's going to fall apart. My master that I'm serving now hates me. I need to go to the master who will forgive me. The master who will take me as I am. Now, we understand that salvation is your first step. But you know there's many people who are saved that don't have Jesus as their master. They want to live however they want. They want to come up with their own plans. They want to be like Job, uh, Joab. I serve Jesus and then go do whatever you want. It's not going to work out for you. The best thing to do is to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you're the boss. You tell me what to do because your way is perfect. You know, sometimes we have to remember that. Someone said this, that in your life, there's a circle. And in the circle... There are two people, you and God. And in that circle, there's only one throne. You choose who sits on that throne. If God sits on the throne, where are you at? 
you're at his feet. But if you're on the throne, then God's at your feet. You see, only one person could be in charge of your life. Either God's in charge or you are in charge. They cannot be both. And God's not your servant, by the way. You're his servant. Sometimes we need to be reminded who's serving who. Ever check your prayer life? You know, sometimes our prayers, we're giving a laundry list of God. Kind of like a parent leaving a list for their children to do. All right, I want you to do laundry. I want you to mow the lawn. I want you to do dishes. And I want you to have it done by the time I get home. To be honest, sometimes we pray like that. God, you take care of this. And I want you to take care of this. And I want you to take care of this. And you got about two days to do this. God is not our servant. He is the boss. Again, sometimes we have to check even our prayer life because sometimes we treat God like he is our servant when it's the other way around. Now, there's nothing wrong with petitioning our king and say, God, I can't do this. This is something you have to do. Can you take care of this for me? There's something about talking with God rather than talking at God. So how is your prayer life? Who's the boss in your prayer life? Is God the boss or are you the boss? That's just one application of an everyday thing. Who is in charge? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.